Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? Doing really well, Shay. We have been winning an unprecedented amount of games <laughs> in Apex, so I'm pumped. It has been a great start to the season. I'm pumped as well. I just want to get back on. Like, that's it. So, you know. I'm ready to go. Whatever it takes. We got a fun episode, though. Today, we are going to be going through some news, some leaks. We got a legend concept on the show today, and we're answering some questions and talking about some of the controversial news surrounding the Bloodhound Mythic skin. Before we do that, though, if you want a question answered, ask it on our Discord channel meant for questions or leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to guarantee it gets on the show. Now, if you want to support the show and participate in something very, very fun, we at the third party are bringing back a private lobby Apex Legends tournament, the now second third party invitational. Third party invitational number two. We're really, really excited. All you have to do in order to join is make sure that you are a Patreon member, which is a link in the description. The next tournament is going to be April 2nd. So we have a lot of time to get ready for it. The sign up will come out March 1st. So you have plenty of time to make sure it could be on your calendar. All that information will be shared via our Patreon and the Patreon-exclusive Discord channel. So check it out. It was an epic time last time. One of the highlights of our entire experience doing this podcast. Amazing. So don't miss out on this next one. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. And I think, you know... Not 100% sure, but I think we'll have Kings Canyon access because of this current season, which has got a special place in HB&I's heart, and we'll definitely be playing some Kings if that's the case. That's With right. that, though, let's dive into the news. First piece of news, building off that, we got to give a nice warm welcome back to Kings Canyon, now officially in public rotation. We got a map breakdown planned next month in preparation for ranked split uh for the second rank split that's coming but how's it feel having kings back i know we're two for two on wins right now on the just this morning when we were able to get in <laughs> just casual just casual um kings is a really great map I, I feel quite strongly about it we've gone through quite the journey of trying to defend king's canyon over the last two years um Explosive holds are huge. Caustic mm -hmm. treatment, map room are incredible town takeovers. The thing that I missed the most and really like about Kings Canyon in contrast to Olympus is you can actually traverse the center of the map. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have to avoid the center like you do on Olympus where going through Hammond, unless you have a great game plan and the per situation is perfect, it's a death that's sentence. a massive risk. Mm -hmm. Massive. And you don't feel that way on King's Canyon, so it just feels a lot more open, like you have options. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. I, I'm, I just love King's. This knowledge is great as well, and yeah, it is an underappreciated map. And, you know, if if you're screaming into the podcast right now, like, oh, these guys are so stupid, you know, all the chokes, blah, blah, blah. Like, every map has some sort of issue like here and there like no map is perfect kings has been worked on for a long time though to alleviate its problems um and with that 
We got a good map. So let's enjoy the heck out of it while we can. Uh, next piece of news, though, the anniversary collection event is now live. Uh, one of the highlights for me, though, is the community prize tracker with skins, hollow sprays, just incredible stuff created by the community. I'm so excited to get all these rewards. And that kind of interaction is something I think is really, really special to see. What are your thoughts on having that in the game? You love to see it. I mean, the big positive out of this entire anniversary event is it's a bonus. We're still going to have a, a mid-season collection event, you know? Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff is kind of extra content that in a normal season we wouldn't receive. Uh, I think kind of obviously one of my favorite skins is the Gibraltar legendary skin. So good. Great colorway in the dark black and gold accents. I don't think you can go wrong with ever putting those two together. The R301 skin, like that one's pretty cool mm-hmm. too. I'm definitely, it's really tempting cool. me to say the least. Uh, and some of the other news about my new main is also tempting me, but we'll get into that later on in the show. Uh, next piece of news though, Apex pushed out a nice little bug fix, fixing the teamwork badge and control, a PK rapid fire bug, and various control issues and bugs that were arising. Just in case anybody was experiencing that, frustrated with the game, and you're listening to the pod now, it should be fixed. Uh, outside of that, though, Apex Legends just hit an all-time peak player count on Steam of almost 400,000 players. Man, amidst the crazy launch of Lost Ark and extreme competition, and what people were saying is not the most hyped season in terms of content, uh, Apex killed it. Record. It's really interesting how this time of year is the apex time. Yeah. And you could say it has something to do with the anniversary, but it was the launch time that was initially just placed perfectly. And this is the anniversary doesn't appeal to the new player. No. Like that's not like the goal of the anniversary, you know. Of course not. Yeah. So it, it just is really awesome to see the strategy behind the timing of this season. Because it's after the holiday rush, everybody's bored of their new games, they're looking for a great free-to-play game, Apex is the greatest free-to-play game out there right now, has been since release, so (laughs) it it wins there. And I love it, you know, in season eight, we saw like the most successful collection event in terms of numbers and viewership of all time. It's very possible that we repeat that again um, during this season. Yep. Apex was also the most streamed game in the last seven days. 1.1 million hours streamed. Nice little round of applause. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. We got the soundboard set up and now I have to. I've got the powers going to my head. It's not good. Hopefully, I don't lose us listeners. (laughs) It's going to be horrible. But no, truly, like it is absolutely crazy. You know, Peak player count, most streamed game in the last seven days, like we were saying, amidst a incredible, incredible feat that Lost Ark's been doing on Twitch. Um, the game is alive and well for everyone out there that just sees the te- dead game stuff going around on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> yep. Let's talk about the big topic of the day, though, and the big news of the day, the Bloodhound Mythic skin that was added this collection event as a final reward. So it is a prestige skin, and to sell, it's meant to celebrate the anniversary. You must obtain all 24 collection event items to purchase it, as you normally would with an heirloom for a collection event. 
The heirloom shop was now changed as well into the mythic shop to make room for this after the event. Uh, it will be obtainable with 150 heirloom, and I'm sure it's going to now be changed to mythic shards if it's not officially that already. Uh, the skin evolves after purchasing based on accomplishments. So you spend the money, buy the skin, and then you deal 30k damage as Bloodhound, you get to level 2, 70k more, and then you get to level 3, plus you get a finisher. Um, the reason this is a big topic of the day is uh, we got some opinions on it, and the skin has received a lot of backlash from the community. Let's spitball about it and talk. I, th I think the word I will say, Henry, and I'll just get us kicked off here, is slightly disappointed in it and disappointed in the game itself for bringing it to us like this, and we can expand upon that. But I just want it to be made clear that I absolutely love Apex. We love Apex. like. Bar none. We just celebrated Apex's huge achievements, but we're always honest with our audience about things, even when people, you know, get on us for thinking that we we're kind of like too nice to the game at times when things are going wrong. So, yeah, disappointed, but got to be honest with the audience here. <laughs> I can also kick it off from my end and say we were hyped for a prestige, some sort of evolving skin for Bloodhound. Uh, when it was kind of rumored preseason release, um, we thought that was really cool. And mm -hmm. I think maybe we put our expectations a little bit too high because with Prestige, we kind of know about Call of Duty and mm -hmm. how that leveling system works. And I think we both made the assumption that this could be a reward for either resetting from going up to level 500 mm -hmm. or some sort of free thing. Um, yeah. which was probably very naive to assume. Yeah. And but now disappointed. It's, you know, 160 bucks to get access to the skin. You get access to the skin and then you're going to have to spend a lot of time playing to, you know, follow through on actually getting the most out of it. To me it is what rubs me the wrong way is how the skin was pitched in the patch notes and announcements, you know. You kind of just talked about it a little bit like it's called a prestige skin, you know. I connect Prestige, like you said, with COD and other games where you're rewarded for playing a long time and, you know, doing events, prestiging, you know, very, very hard grinders. And Apex monetizing off of what is now called the Prestige skin does not feel like the for the community tagline that is being pitched. Um, and that's a disappointment because a Prestige skin, it should be for those diehard grinders, not the whales that are going to be spending money to keep Apex alive and well. Like, you know, the heirlooms really do fill into that role. Could have introduced something else like this. Because I think it's unfortunate, because it's a really cool feature that someone I'm sure spent a ton of time on that not a lot of people are going to get access to. I mean, how many players are going to be the ones that are Bloodhound mains, that are spending the $160, that are then dealing 100,000 damage to get a skin that, on top of all that, is not one of our favorites aesthetically. Like, that's yeah. the other issue yeah, with this. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts when you bring that up. Yeah. Uh, but being honest, you know, both of us, we're businessmen. We, mm -hmm. we want to make money. We want Apex to make money. It is completely acceptable to introduce a new item for purchase in Apex. For sure. Absolutely. But like you said, Jay, it's about the wording and the timing here. Mm -hmm. If we compare this to the last anniversary where we had heirloom shards, where, hey, 
you're still going to have to pay the big bucks. Mm-hmm. But now you can have any heirloom you want. Yep. That compared to this feels 10 times better. Mm-hmm. Like that seems like a very exclusive gift that you still have to pay for, but is actually valuable. And mm-hmm. way, way more people can enjoy that gift. Mm-hmm. This is not that. It's a lackluster skin. It's only for one legend. So you're kind of yeah. bottlenecked into that in order to celebrate three years of Apex and get something really cool. You have to play Bloodhound. Kind of disappointing. And then the whole grinding to actually get it to be its coolest version is a really cool idea, but like you said, not for this price tag. And mm-hmm. to kind of put it into perspective in terms of how much damage you would have to do or how much you would have to play as Bloodhound, I play about 20 hours a week, every single week per season, and I average between 450 and 480 thousand damage per season so if you wanted to fully level up this bloodhound skin you'd have to play 25 percent of your games Mm -hmm. in a season approximately to get it all the way up in one season if you Mm -hmm. wanted to get it in a few weeks or a month you'd have to you know be a hundred percent on bloodhound but that is a grind yeah it's a grind and i think you you kind of hinted at it but just breaking it down, like I think the part where we're confused is it doesn't make sense. Like for anyone involved, the community is disappointed because, like you're saying, it's one legend. They feel mm-hmm. like they're you know, having to pay money for something when the heirlooms would have been great. Like it doesn't make sense business wise. Like there's a lot of times people kind of express frustrations about like recolor events, bringing back uh, you know older skins into the game. That makes sense monetarily to give people a chance. It doesn't make a ton of sense for this to be introduced. I can't imagine it's going to drive incredible numbers of sales like we heard the heirloom shards were kind of doing last anniversary. And that's, I think, where the confusion comes in. And so, yeah, I think disappointment is the word that I think I'll end on and settle with, uh, which is truly too bad because I wish that there was a potential for this to have been a you know, you could have made it more than 100k, in my opinion. You could have made it like a, yeah. like a, a true, true grind for your main and introduce it to all the OG legends or something, and then, you know, give it this like truly free to play exclusive, exclusive feel. And yeah. I think that would have been and a really a nice event. way. Yeah. So why not do that? Is kind of where I come back to. It would why have been not? the way to celebrate for the community. The tagline yeah. that they're kind of going with. And, and then from this point. You know, I think a lot of people are frustrated, but where do we go from here? That's a great question. This is one legend who now has a mythic prestige skin. When will the next one come? Does this replace heirlooms? Will this accompany heirlooms in the future? Does this mean that the next person to get a mythic skin will be crypto with a crypto heirloom? Mm -hmm. Or would they be mismatched? Or will we not see another mythic skin for another year? Yeah. Like it's really strange, I think, and mm-hmm. that it's disappointing, but it's also just a weird move. This this move will not be as successful as the last anniversary event. And that's kind of what makes you scratch your head. It's it's just like, you know, if you get to the perfect world, and let's say the perfect world for Apex Legends is there's you know, a mythic skin for every legend and a mythic skin or a mythic heirloom for every legend. 
I'm pretty sure every player is going to pick the heirloom because you see it. That's kind of one of the problems with a skin that's this expensive. You don't actually see the skin, but you see your heirloom. So everyone's going to probably choose the heirloom over the top. Um, heirlooms don't compete with alternate items. You can buy this skin and then other skins can come out that you think are cooler. And then you just got the most expensive skin in the game that you're going to only use part time. That's kind of a disappointment. Yeah, I, I, There's just too many issues. And then they're setting the bar that it's 150 shards to buy. You're going to have to choose this over an heirloom. And I truly, truly, in my opinion, as someone that plays a good amount of Bloodhound, I would get every single heirloom for every other legend before I bought this Bloodhound skin, just with my shards in the shop. And I think when people are honest, they would probably agree with that. It's hard to not double down on Bloodhound if they are your main and get both. But if you just were to unlock shards tomorrow, get lucky off packs, Mm -hmm. are you really going to turn to this over an heirloom? And it kind of comes back to the idea of you can't see the skin. You can inspect an heirloom. Mm -hmm. You can, like, everybody knows the value of that. If you get this, like, prestige skin and you don't play enough Bloodhound, it's going to look kind of like a bad skin, mm-hmm. to be honest. It, it definitely isn't as cool as most Bloodhound legendaries, yeah. even at tier three. Yeah. Like, uh, the coolest thing's the finisher. It's unique. In yes. my opinion. Like, the finisher, 100% great, but I'm not paying $160 and spending 100 plus hours to get yeah. a finisher. Like, that's you the. You can't do that. That's the downside. So, you can't do that. Let's move on, though, because a little bit of negativity there. I think that's a rare occurrence from us uh, on this show. Uh, But like we said, keep it honest with you folks. Um, Let's dive into some leaks. First leak, we got stickers coming to the game, coming from our guy at Shrugtoll on Twitter. Um, And these are going to have like their own separate section in the menu. Like you'll have your, uh, you know, all your selections, hollow spray, blah, 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 et cetera. And then you'll be able to choose stickers. And this is a down the road kind of thing. There's no specific timeline for it yet announced, but it will be able to be applied to specific cosmetics or items is the wording, which is really cool. Cause that means you're going to be able to put a sticker in theory on a shield cell or syringe. And that'll be a unique kind of way to add some flair to the current items in the game. First impressions, thoughts here in this kind of thing. So normally I don't like all this stuff. Yeah, this I don't is like not your jam. Sprays. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of this. But this specifically, I think, has really cool application to the esports side yes. of Apex. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to have a TSM sticker on a shield battery is a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Way cooler than one of the earlier ideas of having like a banner frame yeah. where. Mm-hmm. You kind of see that once in the beginning of the game, then on a death box. But this is way cooler for people that are spectating mm-hmm. and they get to see uh, these items being played by the pros. So I think it definitely has some cool potential. Yeah. I think the interesting thing will be, you know, like if I have I have a phase clan, say I have a phase clan sticker on my shield bats, I die, my box goes down, someone loots my batteries. Does it have my sticker still on it or does it uh it probably just switches to whatever theirs is but i think that could also be kind of a funny cool way to be like oh you make this connection in your head i'm hitting bat i only got this bat because i killed another team 
link. And that's kind of a cool little thing. Uh, Next piece of leak, though, coming from at Bias12 on Twitter. A little cross-progression update. Uh, He cited his source as someone in the EA Game Changers program that was alerted to this news as an announcement. Uh, And that cross-progression should come at mid or end of the season, with the assumption being that end equates to the start of next season. The leak emphasizes that it will not be account merging accounts switching over so you can bring your xbox onto your pc but you wouldn't have your pc skins or vice versa as well uh, so no combining of accounts and it is not 100 with certainty obviously this is a leak we always say that take it with a grain of salt it's early but this is the latest news i know i'm a little down to hear that it's the switch and not the merge i imagine you echo the same i definitely echo the same shay mm-hmm. I- We've been waiting for this for over a year at this point. Yeah. Why does it take so long? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Can we have more transparency on this? Does this really have to come out through like an ambassador program at EA week? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to have conversations about this by the lead game designer, the game director. Like, this matters to a lot of people, yeah. and it's been long, long overdue. So, I would love to have this more out in the public so we can learn more and discuss it because it it means a lot to a lot of people and the financial impact of it is massive for ea and this certainly favors ea here Mm -hmm. so i would love to bring it to light the switching over versus the merging is definitely ea will take some hits you know i mean well i'm sure we'll hear about how hard the technology is of merging accounts but we've seen games do it before and that's kind of one thing but obviously, they're going to gain a lot more financially by switching versus merging. And for a company that is, you know, known for maybe not making the best decisions for its community and more so for the benefit of the company, and then also on the heels of this, you know, Bloodhound skin debacle, it's not the best look after we have all these respawn employees gone and EA kind of truly having some reins and things from the looks of it. So. It's a tough look, I hope, and I was hoping for so long that because this was taking so long, it was going to be Merge. It's not looking that way early. But we give you all the news. We give you all the news. That's the news. With that, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertiser, your ISP, and other prying eyes. And that's why we use IPVanish, VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. I love being a ghost. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan to our listeners with a free 30-day money-back guarantee. So that's just like getting nine months free. It's super easy to use too. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. 
You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com-apex and use promotional code APEX and claim 70% savings on your deal. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H.com-apex. Welcome back. Let's get into the second half of the show, and we're going to talk legend concept today. Um, legend concept and then answering some five-star questions. It's not been too long since we've done a concept since we switched over to this new schedule, but I am still excited. Um, anything to say? Any reminders on what legend concepts are before we just dive into it? Yeah, I mean, this is something that really is the foundation of the third-party podcast. We started and we did a, a lot of these, a lot of concepts in general, legend concepts, weapon concepts, um, map concepts, kind of submitted by the community. We love freight them. The things that we look for are well-thought-out abilities mm-hmm. with some sort of stab at a cooldown to try to make it balance in the game. But we also really encourage people to make their abilities powerful because it's hard mm-hmm. to, to compete against the legends right now. And then also lore. Nice backstory. That's kind of what we look for to get featured on the show. Well said. Well said. And this one is coming via email, which we do have an email if you want to send us a legend concept or a question. We try to get to it, but as Ethan knows, who is the submitter of this concept, this came in a while ago before it's finally making its way onto the show. Uh, So the legend's name is Joseph Schwartz, call sign Spectre. Here's the backstory. Joseph was a robotic engineer before the war between the Frontier Militia and the IMC. He lended his robotic knowledge to the militia by being an engineer and technician for their titans. He adamantly believes in the freedom for the Frontier and fighting for the IMC and their control. Joseph was active at the Battle of Gridiron after he survived when the ship he was on was taken down and he had to fight to survive with the frontline forces of the militia. With his robotic knowledge, he was highly effective at hacking the robotic soldiers specters, reapers, and stalkers of the IMC during the battle. He was wounded and was medically discharged afterwards. After his discharge, discharge, he tried settling down and working comfortably with the robotics he knew so well. He recovered from his wound well and used his robotic knowledge to make a prosthetic to assist himself. He would develop a a deep-seated hatred for the IMC and their allies because he blames them for how he can't work with the militia anymore or struggles with just daily living. After seeing Bangalore in the Apex games and her talking about being a part of a family of IMC veterans, and then seeing Ash join in the games and her involvement with the Apex Predators in the war, he was furious to see them having success. So he built robotics to help him with combat to enter and made a name for himself in arenas to be able to join the full Apex games to get a shot at Bangalore and Ash. Uh, And then a little side note here is you could also bring up the story again in the future with him finding out about Cuban Blisk running the games. Man, a Titanfall lore-based legend, way to our heart, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, we really like this. I think this is a great backstory. Um, Exploring the militia is something that Apex hasn't really dove into very much. You know, like, we are in the frontier. um, You know, the Outlands counts, but we don't really talk a whole lot about it. In terms mm-hmm. of the other side of the war, strangely enough, you know, when you played Titanfall 2, you were on the side of the militia and the IMC are the enemies. And mm-hmm. weirdly enough, most of the legends 
that are tied to Titanfall are tied to the IMC. It's really which is weird. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's cool though. It's really cool to see both sides like that. Let's get into the abilities though, and you'll start us off. I think we'll just rifle through these and then talk about them in whole afterwards because there's some connectivity between them. For sure. So first off, the passive robotics expert. Spectre can take eight seconds to rewire and control the Marvins that are on the map, make them turn hostile to his enemies. Can also take six seconds to reprogram killed robot legends by interacting with their death boxes. The reprogrammed robots only have 100 health with no shields, but will sprint, jump, and climb towards opponents they can see and that are attacking Spectre or his teammates to melee them and deal normal melee damage. When not in combat, they will just follow closely to Spectre and his teammates and will attack any hostiles that attack Spectre. Spectre can only have two robots under his command at a time. If he activates another robot, it will automatically destroy his oldest robot. Really, really interesting and really cool. Let's get into the tactical though. Microbots. Spectre has two charges with a cooldown of 20 seconds to send out a swarm of microbots at a target or area. They will obscure the vision for three seconds of the first hostile that enters the area and deal 25 damage to them as the bots scratch at their face. If the bots are deployed to an area and not triggered right away, they will linger there as a swarm and give off an audible sound until they are triggered when a person walks into or near them. Spectre can only have two swarms out at a time, and if they are spotted before attacking someone, they can be destroyed by being hit with 25 points of damage. I'm liking this so far. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, all right. Now the ultimate, Titan. Spectre will call down Titan, his modified stalker-class robot from a dropship in the sky. Requires vertical clearance. Titan is a heavily modified stalker-class robot. Joseph reinforced its armor and increased its weapons parameters to make it more deadly. Titan has a health pool of 300 with no shields, wields two weapons, an R99 and a modified softball grenade launcher. Titan will hip fire the R99 when it sees a target or to try and suppress a hostile that is damaging it. It will fire the launcher that fires off two grenades at a time at a target within a range every 10 seconds. Their grenades fired from its launcher are 30% weaker than actual frag grenades but have the same timing before exploding. Titan will attack and move towards any hostile it sees or that start attacking it. It is rather slow as it's a rigid stalker class. It is able to just walk and jump everywhere. If called down with no targets detected right away, it will follow Spectre as closely as it can but is easily left behind if Spectre and his teammates are sprinting. Titan will communicate with its teammates over the comms with a deep, monotone robotic voice. If Titan is able to close the distance with a target and be within one meter, it will attack with a windback haymaker-type melee and deal 75 damage with a melee hit. Okay, I think this is such a fun legend. Like It it circles back to something we talked about a long time ago, which was companionship. Legends mm-hmm. like and that kind of being the ability, and I think this is such a cool way to integrate titans, to integrate map elements, to integrate death boxes. So many game elements coming into the companionship in such an interesting way. Yeah, I think on this show we've had legend concepts that have been like a robotic wolf or dog, and then mm-hmm. we've also had prowlers as yeah. part of a legend ability before. Yeah. Um, We've had people try to implement an, an actual Titan. Um, 
as a legend ability, but that just becomes such a, a difficult feat. This idea, I think, is quite well thought out and mm-hmm. has a lot of cool balancing mechanics. We're not quite sure on what the cooldown will be, but honestly, it doesn't really matter for ultimate abilities um, as much as you might think. But here, I think the the fact that this stalker robot is slow yeah. is a really big debuff almost. You know? like, you'll leave it, it behind if you have you to rotate. You kind of have to. Yeah. You kind of have to. And the fact that you have to wait for a dropship to come down, you know, Lifeline's ultimate takes 15 seconds to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes seven seconds to call in uh, someone to be respawned. So, yeah. you know, those kind of timing elements and the actual movement speed of the ultimate are things that absolutely balance it. But this idea that you could have a companion mm-hmm. that could tank some damage away from you and also provide a threat to another team is a really, really cool ability. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing. It's like I, I think we'll I think you say this kind of stuff, companion, Titan, Ultimate, reprogramming, hundred health bots going at people, and people will think overpowered, like too much. And I think there is a world in which something like this is easily overpowered, but you got to remember that all of these abilities have nothing to do with the character Spectre himself. And so he is truly less than Watson in terms of like in combat without any of this stuff going on. You know, his tactical is kind of a trap for the most part. And so it's like, oh man, like this is a pretty well thought out and I think balanced legend personally and i think it's a really cool way Uh, i think you know you did an absolute killer job ethan thinking this one through from backstory all the way through to ultimate this is a top tier one it's so easy to to jump to say something's op but in the world of apex where we have an invincible dome shield (laughs) and a minigun as an ability this really doesn't stick out to me and i think would be really fun and I would love to see it in the game. Um, let's talk about the tactical. Yeah. I work backwards. Um, let's do it. This idea of a swarm, I think, is really cool because, in many ways, you could say maybe too close to a, a Nox gas barrel trap. Mm-hmm. But when I was playing Black Ops 3, I believe, okay. um, there was this specialist who had these swarm abilities that you would launch them on launcher and then they would be like micro drone bees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was Black Ops 3. Could have th- been you're right, Ops you're 2. right, you're right. I think it was 3. Um, but I loved that specialist. Definitely mained that specialist. I think it's a really cool ability just because to create something that will suppress enemies that you can fire from a distance mm-hmm. and that deals damage is a very simply beautiful ability. You know, in some ways that's like a Bangalore smoke, like a fuse tactical, like a a revenant tactical. But having it kind of attached to one space and Mm -hmm. linger there longer than something like a fuse knuckle cluster, I think is a really cool idea that I would love to see. Yeah. Controlling of an area is always so fascinating. And so I think definitely an interesting one. Um yeah, and I love that it's got, you know, like the sounds, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. like counteract it as well. It's not going to be like this hidden in a house, oh, you walked in and kind of got screwed kind of thing going on. Yeah. 
What do you think about the passive? So the passive is interesting here. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at first glance, it kind of forces my mind to go into a zombie mode. You know, yeah. a legend that can resurrect the dead and use them as their slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, cool idea. The fact that it's bottlenecked into robots because of the lore of the legend makes a lot of sense. Um, we do have a good amount of robotic legends now. You we know, do. You, you could make arguments for a lot of them, like Octane for existence, robotic legs, fuse, robotic arm. Mm-hmm. You know, you could make some arguments. Um, but like the ultimate, I like the idea of companions. Um, this isn't an incredibly uh, overtly powerful passive just because you do have to do something pretty intense in order to gain any value from it um but what do you think about the application in game i think you you nailed it in terms of like the the zombie vibe of Mm -hmm. what it would do and so i think about it like okay i activate this i get two people up let's say obviously the advantage to it is if i engage with another team the opposing team has to spend bullets shooting these people. And that's a really, really strong advantage. And that's a yeah. really important thing to have in the game. I'd be very powerful, but we have a lot of really powerful passives in the game. So that's like we said, always bring it to the table with something that's strong. And if it really is truly dependent on finding a Rev, Pathfinder, Ash, or Marvin then you're talking map-dependent, game-dependent, stuff that's outside of your control, and it won't be impactful every game. So yeah. a really interesting balance to strike. I know I won't be playing you know, Rev, Path, Ash teams uh, if, uh, if this is the case and this legend comes into the game because it can't be you know, hurting the other people in the lobby like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it, this is a dangerous ability just because it is kind of intense. It would be a challenge to implement it. But compare it to Ramparts Tactical. You know, that's given you 150 bonus health, essentially, to the top of the amped cover. This is less than that, you know, if you want to use Mm -hmm. these resurrected robots as a shield. You also have the instance of being able to have decoys with Mirage to be kind of used in a similar way. Maybe these uh, zombie robots are controllable and someone mm-hmm. can give them direction kind of like a decoy so there's some similarities i think that it is balanced very dangerous very interesting um but the the legend concept as a whole i really really love yeah i think it's well thought out great job let's wrap up the show though by answering some five star questions starting with emma emma sm yeah I'm Emma. We're calling you Emma. Uh, hi, third party. I have two questions for you. How do you like the idea of a mode where all the Legends abilities worked by lore? And I'm a Bangalore man and love the Volt. What mid to long range gun will go well with it? So I think this one probably came in either before the uh, Switch or we're just playing a ton of Care Package right now. But speaking to the Legend lore one, we had an episode where we ranked the Legends by lore. Do you remember off the top of your yep. head who came out off and on top? Okay. Oh, I'm pretty sure Revenant came out. I'm on pretty top. sure he did too, because he can't die, right? Yeah. It's a pretty good advantage to have in a blood sport. An undying murder bot. Yeah. 
But, but go listen back to that because that's kind of like a long form answer to your question, Emma. Essentially, is who would be the best? Is we rank them for you by lore. Yeah, um, that's definitely a really good episode. There's a lot of good things uh, that we kind of unpacked from a lore perspective. In terms of an actual LTM or game mode, I hate to say it, but kind of impossible. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know how you would implement something like that. Um, you know, anything that had to do with Watson would be an insta-kill. Yeah. You know, just because of the voltage that's based off her lore and the fences. Um, would it be kind of chaotic and crazy? Yes. So maybe that's what you're going for. But in terms of a of a well-polished mode, it definitely could not be that. Yeah. You'd be 20 new legends, essentially. So Yeah. What about the Volt? What do you go? What goes yeah. with it best for you? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to pair the Volt or the Alternator uh, as an SMG, uh, I believe have a lot of similarities um, now going into this season with another weapon. The first thing I'm going to say is R301 all day long. Mm-hmm. You can go with the Marksman. You can do it with the triple take. You can do 30-30. Shay might tell you the bow. Um, but I would first and foremost go with the R301, and then as a secondary option, I would say the Rampage. You know, the Rampage is a great early game pickup. It doesn't need a whole lot to just be incredible. You pop a Thermite in there, and it's the best gun in the game, full stop. Um, and a great secondary or primary as a counterpart to a Volt or an Alternator. Yeah, I, I think well said. I mean, if we're choosing guns from the Care Pack, can I choose the G7? as a good alternate because that one always fits with everything now but i think i'm an r301 purist and yeah i love any if you want to play at serious range nothing wrong with a bow or 30 30 if you can make the most out of it but much more consistent and safe with like a r301 or a rampage like you mentioned all right, last five-star question of the day coming from M Miles 12 Hey, guys, I've been listening for about a year, and I've wondered who's your mains and what's the best loadout for them. Thank you, guys. I love your pot. Well, I have a new main, and my new main is... Watson! Is that the way, right way to use the soundboard? Right? That is. I Jay. killed Good it. Good job. Uh, yeah, tell the people why Watson. What's going on in your life? Yeah, so um, Henry and I are having the craziest start to season twelve in terms of wins. KD, it's just through the roof right now. Absolutely crazy, and we're climbing ranked right now, pretty aggressively. And because we're doing it so early in the season, we're playing in some pretty intense lobbies, and we're finding a lot of success on Olympus right now with Watson. And that has been my role, essentially, on the team that was taking up. Henry's the Gibby. We can't knock Henry off Gibby. We got a third that's a pretty aggressive player and very, very incredibly gun-skilled. So we got to keep like the Bloodhound or the Valk, which is who uh, he's been playing in their hands. So as the flex player, I resulted to Watson. And I am fencing up all the time, everywhere that I can. We're playing Beacon, playing Smart, and having a ton of success. Watson's fun. She's got the best emotes, the best vibes in the game outside of maybe Pathfinder, and uh, definitely my ranked main currently. And I just got a Watson skin in the pack, too, that was given out for free. So everything's falling into place. And don't forget about the revive. 
Oh, the net best revive animation in the game. It's not even close. Might have to get the heirloom. Might have to, Shane, but it's been really fun. What about a loadout that you think uh, yeah. goes really well? So with Watson, you know, you're doing a lot of, in an ideal situation, playing ahead. You guys are getting into power positions, and then you're closing out things in the end game. You're not taking mid-game fights, truly, unless it's an incredible advantage. Like, you're easily third party. Um, and with that, when you're kind of playing the high ground, playing the power position, controlling areas with fences, I like to have something that is a medium to long range gun to try and steal some KP, get some easy knocks and just deter people from coming towards me. Um, but I think something important with Watson particularly is the end games are so crazy. These final circles, you got to have something that's got a little bit of flexibility. Um, and so you can't just truly go pure sniper unless you're like a crazy, you know, sentinel, no scope kind of person uh, late game. So I've been playing a ton of like R301 to kind of like use my range, but I've also had a lot of success. You kind of alluded to it with the bow and the shatter, shatter caps, bow shatter caps, uh, 30-30 shatter caps, because then I get that long range plus the close range, you know, secondary swap, triple take, great for the gun, like great gun for this. And then secondary, going to something up close and personal to finish out those final circles, car, nine pk right now um keeping it pretty strict into those two kind of like slots though currently what about you <laughs> so i'm a gibraltar main i think a lot of people know that check mm -hmm. out the cover art it's been there um I, I play some other legends as well that i really like and on a lot of the episodes last season talked a lot about them and why i love them so much but gibraltar is at his core an aim down sights legend. Yep. So when you're trying to match a weapon or a loadout to Gibraltar, you got to think about that. I think a lot of players think Gibraltar is a bubble fight legend. No. You use the gun shield a lot more than you use a bubble, and you have a situation where you're in a bubble fight. So my loadout is going to be that R301, best all around gun in the game, great ADS, like incredible accuracy. If you have good tracking. Um, and then my secondary, like I said, uh, as a counterpart to the Volt, is going to be the Rampage. Um, and that, I think, is the best loadout. If I were to swap one of those, I would swap the Rampage for another AR. And the AR I would choose is the Flatline. I have no problem mm -hmm. going with two ARs as Gibraltar. Um, and I really think having two fully automatic weapons is the best if you want to win gunfights, and win games. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge fan of the G7. It's not here right now. <laughs> um, it is different than any other marksman, just in terms of its magazine size and its rate of fire and its damage per second. Um, so I do feel comfortable using that in medium to close ranges. But because Gibraltar is so good with the gun shield at poking and kind of keeping people back, I will use the triple take. Mm -hmm. as well as the R301. That's kind of a loadout in that situation. But whenever I do that, I always feel like I'm going to need to rely on my teammates more for the end game when mm -hmm. we get into a fight. If we're inside of a building, I don't feel good without two fully automatic weapons mm -hmm. um, at this point in the weapon meta. <laughs> and I think like, you know, people are going to hear, hey, you know, not bubble fighting, like what's up? Henry, you know, and I think you expanded on it pretty well. But I'll also emphasize that, like, it works and plays so well with how 
our team comp particularly plays. We still take massive advantage of BubbleFi opportunities because mm-hmm. myself and our third teammate both very much enjoy running shotguns, which are two ways to absolutely maximize a bubble fight. So it's not like we're missing out on some of that benefit, essentially, that you get. So we're kind of getting the best of both worlds when you look at it from a holistic team comp, uh, particularly uh, for us right now. So I think that's a, kind of a cool note to say and wrap up on. <laughs> very correct. That's going to wrap it up, though. And thank you to our producer, the third party, 10, as well as our dropship captain, Luke. Support us over on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. And check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thanks so much for listening to the third party podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.